As a young boy growing up in Shreveport, Louisiana, the now Bishop Joseph Walton Walker III, how would you like to have that type of name? Just call me J-Dub. Joseph Walton Walker III highly enjoyed the daily episodes of Batman. Any Batman fans in the house today? Everybody say Batman. It would always keep him on the edge of his seat. And one afternoon while he was watching, something terrible took place. The unthinkable happened. And Batman slipped and he died. By all appearances, it was a fatal injury. He watched as the villains would wreck the city. These wicked foes and wreaking havoc all over the place that Batman loved. Gotham was under attack and with anticipation of what was happening next, the screen played the unkind trick as it scrolled those words, to be continued. And everybody say, dun, dun, dun. That was terrible, I know. But without a clue of what would happen next, he went to school the following morning and anticipating what he would find after he'd come home and finished his schoolwork. And he would watch as the evil encamped the city of Gotham, and when there would come a moment, though, in this storyline, that Batman would be seen standing on the top of a building looking down on the city. And in the blink of an eye, he tells that after watching what had gone wrong in this place, Batman would launch himself from that building and rescue the people from the destruction of the villains. And Batman was back better than ever. And with adolescent tears streaming from his eyes as he watched down and saw Batman beating up the Joker and he was swooping down to find such victory over evil. This young boy, Joseph Walker, said, Daddy, you got to tell me how did Batman get up again? And he's crying and he's wondering, how in the world did my hero come back to life? And here's Batman standing now with the full victory in his life. And that boy's father looked at him and said, baby, I got a simple word for you. Batman got up because it was written in the script. And I want to preach to you from that line, it was written in the script. Look at your neighbor and say, it was written in the script. Now my simple mind goes back to the story I heard as a small child, except it wasn't a cool comical story with a unique twist it wasn't a fabricated illustration that evolved out of thin air. It was the final climatic proof that Jesus was indeed who he said he was, the Messiah. Born of a virgin named Mary, royalty born in poverty, walking this earth, he performed miracle after miracle. And I don't have time to detail every one of them, but the most amazing story to me is the fact that his fate would lead him like a lamb led to the slaughter as they mocked him and they beat him and they embarrassed him they ridiculed him and they laughed at him nails were driven through his hands and through his feet a crown of thorns that dug deep into his brow whips that tore through the skin of his body a spear that stabbed deeply into his side this man God manifest in flesh that dwelt among us was sent from heaven to earth to save us from sin and when it was all said and done he hung breathless on a hill far away upon that old rugged cross and those 
gathered alongside of him would lower his body after he breathed his final breath and they would wrap him in swaddling clothes or they would place him into a borrowed grave and after they completed this process they walked away with hurt and pain and they're stunned by the events of this that had taken place and they laid him to rest and they sealed the tomb and they walked away feeling as if the hero had died. Hear me today and stay with me. I will not be very long, but I'm very intentional with what I want to say today. When others were celebrating the crucifixion of Jesus, there was another party about to kick off. Little did the devil and his minions realize that what Jesus had spoken a few days prior to Calvary was not just another set of words. For when Jesus said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll build it up again. It wasn't a comical twist to this story. When Jesus said it, it was written in the script. He said, I will get up again, even though you might try to take me out. Hear me on this morning chapel gathering, just as he said. Mary went to the tomb and she was astonished to find that Jesus had done what he spoke. The Bible tells us that Peter and John went running to the tomb and went in to find nothing but grave clothes. An empty tomb that this indeed confirmed exactly what Jesus promised. They can kill me should they want to, but I'm not staying here. I'm getting up again. Simply put, it was written in the script. For when it appeared that evil would prevail, his blood and his resurrection brought us the opportunity to find new hope in him. Sin may have been writing your final chapter regrets of your past might be writing some of the lines in your story today failures that might try to dictate your future I've come to tell you the devil is a liar that Jesus his precious blood his burial and his resurrection is the very fiber of our faith and our future in the Lord It is written, Hebrews chapter 12, Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, say, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And here it is, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Regardless of what the devil depicts in your life and against the lies that he has spoken towards you and your future even right now in the midst of your studies for ministry though he may have pushed you into a corner if you still got breath you still have a purpose and let me just pause to tell you if you're not dead God's not done he still has a reason for your life he still has a purpose for your existence it's all a part of the author the Bible tells us that our God is a refuge and strength. He will not suffer your foot to be moved. And while He's keeping you, He will not slumber. And when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, hear this, He will exalt us in due time. And we cast our cares upon Him because He cares for us. The Bible also tells us to be sober and vigilant because the adversary of the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Resist steadfast in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And hear this, the God of all grace who hath called us unto eternal glory by Christ Jesus after that ye have suffered a while will make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you to him. Be glory and dominion forever and ever 
and everybody in Urshan shout amen. I'm thankful to tell you today that we serve a God who's above all gods, who has the whole world in his hands. He is the Lord strong and mighty. He is the Lord mighty in battle. He is our God. And there's no God like our God. I just want to come today and encourage you right now in the Holy Ghost. I know you've got a lot on your plate. I know you've got a lot of things in your world. And I realize you've got some things that have been weighing you down. But I feel today that God sent me with an encouragement. I didn't come here just to challenge you. I already told you I don't have a deep word. I just have something that's simple. I want to tell you everything's going to be all right. God's about to give you a dose of strength to help push you through. Come on, there's somebody in this room right now. The fact that you're here is a testament of God's amazing grace that called you out of darkness and puts you into his marvelous light. Is there a witness in the tabernacle? If it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? Somebody shout yes. Our God is amazing. There's no one like Him. His reputation proves Him. Our God, everybody shout our God. Our God cast the devil out of the synagogue. He healed the man of palsy. He healed the lame of Bethesda. He restored the prodigal son. He carries the lost sheep. Our God resurrected the widow's dead boy, the ruler's daughter, Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus, even four days late. And the Bible said his body began to stink, yet the stink didn't stop Jesus. You have stinky situations in your life right now. You've got regrets of your past. You've got worries that are trying to zap your faith for the future. Hear me. It is not God's will that you have sleepless nights. It's not the will of God that you cry yourself to sleep with depression and anxiety and fear trying to rule your life. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. I didn't come here to play games on this side. I come here to tell you God has your best interest at his heart. He's fixing to turn some things around in your life. He's the author and he's the finisher of your faith. Get your hopes up, Urshan. Get your faith up, eyes. God's going to finish what he started inside of you. I think right now would be a great time if you're in a struggle to stand your feet, throw your hands high, lift your voices higher than your hands, and say, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I rebuke the curse of the devourer. God's on my side. Somebody shout yes. You may be seated. I've turned 40 this year. I know I look it. I feel it. My son tells me every time I get a haircut, you going to get one of those bald cuts, Daddy? I'm going to have to ask you to calm down, son. It's all natural, baby. I haven't always been where I am today. I grew up in... Palm Bay, Florida, the Myers Church, as a matter of fact. And are we good? We got time for this? And I, I grew up there. My mother was 
not in church. My father was hooked on drugs. And um, my aunt was the first one that experienced Pentecost. And uh, she started telling my grandmother and her other sister, you got to come to this church in Palm Bay. It's powerful. My grandmother was not used to crazy people. Cray cray, y'all. And she went there. People were shouting, dancing, speaking in tongues. If they were ever freaked out in their life, the first Pentecostal church of Palm Bay, Florida freaked them out. My grandmother told me recently when I was home talking to her about her experience of Pentecost. She said, I, I was home and I, I kept hearing the words of that preacher going through my mind, Brother McClintock, and I just, I got my Bible out. Figured that was a good place to start. She said, I started thumbing through the pages and realizing he is right. You do have to repent of your sins and he's right again. I got to be baptized in Jesus' name. I was, I was baptized in the Trinity before the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And she said, I... He's right. It's in this book. I got to receive the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in tongues. And so my grandmother was pursuing it and seeking for it. And in the process, she actually ended up being in Michigan. And while she was there, she said that choir practice was going on. And they were learning the song Amazing Grace. And she said... I just kind of felt this unique presence, and I lifted my hands. And right there, I started speaking in tongues during a choir practice, learning amazing grace. And she said, I, I just wanted to have a confirmation of it. So I, I, I went back home to Florida, and I called my daughter, Sue. She said, you know, I can't get my mind off of what just happened in Michigan and much less what that preacher's been saying. She said, you know, Mom, I feel the same way. You want to go back? She said, oh, yes, I do. And my grandmother went to church that night, and God confirmed to her, because guess what song they sang the moment they walked in that door? Amazing grace. God is a mind-blowing God. I'm telling you this because it's part of my story. And everything I am today is written in the script. My grandma lifted her hands and tears began to flow down her British face. And so she's sitting there already with an accent as it was. If you ever talk to a British person, hello, how are you doing, sport team? That's the Holy Ghost. Get it out right there. That's it, you know. <laughs> that, um, I know it's stupid. Forgive me. This is my sermon. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> and she looks over. And my aunt, her tongue's going crazy. And she received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And my grandmother said, I got to get baptized like that preacher said. And she said that night she went down in the water. And when she came out, she got a third dose of the Holy Ghost. And that has been some 35 years that my grandmother has been in the church. I was two years old. Hear this. Not only is God a God that gives us salvation because of Calvary, He's a healing God. 
I was, I was two years old. My mom finally came to church. But what got my mother to church was the fact that I was born with a club foot. And one of the ladies that knew my grandmother was watching me while my mother was working. And, and she said, you know, rather than the doctors breaking his ankle and putting some screws and rods in there, I'd like to take Jason to church and let them pray for him. And this same pastor... Bishop Myers now said with those big old hands as he put them on my body, he said, oh, in the name of Jesus. And he was like, God himself was there. See, it messed my glasses up. Hallelujah. My mom went back to the doctor after six different x-rays. The doctors come back to the room. They said, I'm not sure that we even need to do surgery. My mom's like, what do you mean? Well, there ain't nothing wrong with his foot. It's perfectly fine. God healed my foot. And my mom was like, okay, there must be something to this Pentecostal church. And so I asked my mom, I said, what was it that was the breaking point for you coming to church? And my mom told me the last week of January, she said, it was when you were very sick. And when you would start crying, you would cry so hard and heavy that you would stop breathing. And it scared me. And so I took you to the doctor. And I asked the doctor to check you out. He was looking and examining you. And he said, I don't see anything wrong. Unless he's doing it, I can't tell you what's wrong with him. So as the doctor was walking out the room, my mom thought it was wise to pinch my bottom. And I started screaming. Well, of course you're going to scream. And the doctor runs in. He said, is that what you're talking about? My mom said, yes. He stops breathing every time. He starts crying like that. He said, your son's about to die. Let's rush him to the hospital. And so for about four or five hours, they could not get me to stop crying. They were giving me IVs, and they were trying to get me calmed down. And finally, my mom, who had made up her mind to quit smoking cigarettes, she said, this was my third day of not having a cigarette. And I thought, Lord, if you're trying to try my patience, if you're testing me, you're doing a really good job. Job. She said the nurse came in to do another test and I said would it be okay if I just walk outside she said if I can just go to the smoking section and I can just smell it I'll be alright I don't have to taste it I can just smell it Ugh. my mom from McClintock gets to the elevator and my room is just a few doors down from the elevator and she said before she even stepped in that elevator when it opened there was my babysitter with her Bible tucked in her arm and my mom said, Irene, what are you doing here? She said, I heard Jason was here and he was not doing well. And I wanted to come pray for him. And so my mom said, well, I'm sure you can hear him crying. She said, is that him? He doesn't sound good. And finally, by the time that they walked in that room, it had been about six hours that I was crying nonstop. I would cry, stop breathing. I would cry, stop breathing. And it was just a vicious cycle. And my mom tells me that she watched as Sister Burroughs took her Bible and when she walked in my room, she laid it in my crib, and she picked me up and said, I immediately stopped crying as she's saying, Jesus is the answer, and or Jesus loves little children. And all this time, my mom's like, how in the world did you do this? How did you make him stop crying? She looked at my mom. She said, it's simple, Robin. It's called the Holy Ghost, and you need it. My mother saw 
after the prayers of Irene Burroughs, not once but twice, I was discharged from the hospital that afternoon. Nothing was wrong with me. Nothing at all caused me to stop breathing when I was crying. And my mother went to that old Pentecostal church on Palm Bay Road in Palm Bay, Florida, that Sunday night. And she said, whatever you have, I want it. And guess what? When the altar call was given, my mom came to that altar. This is my story. It's written in the script. And she lifted her hands. And the Holy Ghost, guess what, filled her. And she began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave her the utterance. And she went to the water and was baptized in Jesus' name. I grew up in church all my life playing drums. Started when I was five years old. I love playing drums. And I started being involved in the music department. But it was my mom and my sister. Now, my dad was not in the picture. My dad was riddled and, and, and just completely wrecked with drugs. In fact, when I was 13 years old, it was the second time my mom and dad divorced from each other. From the time that I was in kindergarten to ninth grade, I had been in 17 different schools. My life was wrecked. I was confused. My dad was no longer in the picture. And even though he was there sometimes, he wasn't really there. And so at 13 years old, my mom and dad divorced and they was gone. Everything was falling apart. And here I am today, happy to tell you that after 20 years of praying and asking God to touch my father, it was when I was evangelizing in December of 2014 that I stepped to the pulpit in Jacksonville, Florida. And I saw my phone light up, and it was a text message from my wife. I usually don't answer my phone while I'm preaching. I don't want to be distracted. But when my wife sends me a text message, I open it, and I open my phone. And she said, look who's at church today. And there was my 20-year backslidden father sitting in the pew of the Pentecostal church in Palm Bay, Florida. When the altar call was given, my dad was the first man out of some 800 people that walked to that altar and threw his hands up and repented from all those years of living in sin. My dad told us later on, about a week later, that he had been given a bad report by the doctor from all the years of the alcohol abuse. His liver was at 25%, and if he did not stop, he would be dead in six months. His liver was completely shot. He had diabetes that was out of control. He had hepatitis C because of all the drug abuse. And the doctor said, you've got to change your life or you're going to be a dead man. My dad called the only person he knew that could help. It was a Pentecostal woman, someone that was always in church. My mom worked very hard for our family. We never missed church. We were always in church. And my dad said, I need some help. And so my mom and dad start talking again. And when I say start talking again, they were talking again. Ain't nobody got time for that, honey. Uh-uh, just, I'm done. Mom, dad, forget it. She's in the room one night, and I hear laughter coming from the bedroom. And I said, Mom, what are you doing? She goes, I'm doing my checkbook. I know your college students, ain't nobody laughing when they do a checkbook. Like, oh, God, you need to make a way. My back's against the wall. And it's over. No, my mom, am I doing all right? Is this okay? I'm almost done, I promise. My mom starts talking to my dad. And I had the privilege on January 13th of 2015 to meet my father at the church he was attending. And I got to baptize him in Jesus' name. Fast forward. My wife and I and my little boy London were pastoring a church in Colorado. And I get a phone call from my mother. 
She said, your dad wants to talk to you about something. Is it a good time? I said, yeah. He said, hey, boy. Now, you got to understand my dad. He ain't got no teeth. All the drugs messed him up. And uh, so talking to him is a little funny. Hey, Dad. What's up, boy? How you doing, son? You ought to see him eating. Oh, my God. Have mercy. He said, what do you think about your mom and I getting married again? I said, are you serious? He said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've always loved your mother. I said, okay. Well, what does Pastor Myers think about it? Well, we talked to him. We're going to go to marriage counseling, pre-marriage counseling, and we're going to give this a shot. Let me tell you where my mom and dad is right now. This past October, they just celebrated five years of being married again. And about my dad, oh, he's a grumpy old man. Good Lord have mercy, he's a grumpy old man. He's in a lot of pain. He still has an addiction to cigarettes, and that's okay because it's progress. But let me tell you about my dad. It's been six years since he's had an alcoholic drink. Six years ago, they told him he was going to be dead in six months. And by the way, my dad's liver, that was 25% functionality. It's about 90% everything's looking great. Oh, and by the way, when he was baptized, the Lord rid him of all that hepatitis C. There's no trace of it in his body whatsoever. Why am I telling you all of this? I don't have a perfect life. I never have. I had strongholds. I had addictions. I had hangups in my life. And I was always leaning on the fact that I didn't have a father. But let me tell you something. I had a friend that was closer than a brother who was always on my side. I just want to tell you, if God can do it for my family, God can do it for your family. He can touch you. He can heal you. He can deliver you. There's nothing too hard. It's a part of the story. Your victory is written in the script. Come on, Urshan, you've come too late to tell me that God doesn't deliver. He still delivers. You've come too late to tell me he doesn't heal. He's a healer. He is still a way maker. He is still a promise keeper. Come on, lift your hands, lift your voices across this house. His blood still works. His resurrection is still powerful. I don't know what you have needed, but I know God is able. I know God's in this room right now. 
it would do you well to close your eyes if you've got a need. Throw your hands as high as you can to heaven and reach out and touch the Lord as He goes by. He's the author and the finisher. It's not over till God says it's over. Come on, young man, the hand of God is upon your life. Come on, young lady, the hand of God is upon your life. He's brought you to this moment for such a time as this. God's going to finish what he started. God's going to finish what he started. Move, Holy Ghost. Hear me. Here, turn, turn me up a little so they can hear me really well. I want you to get this point. I want you to stay where you are. We're fixing to have a move of God in this room. If I pass this microphone around, there are stories that some of you don't even have the courage to tell. And God is going to release your tongue to share what he's really done in your life. And you need to let him use you in that area. Don't you dare be intimidated because of your past may not be perfect. If you were perfect, you wouldn't be alive. You would have been on the cross. I don't have it all together. I'm not educated. I jack up words all the time. I can't pronounce Bible characters. I don't have the Greek and the Hebrew. I just have the J-A-V, the Jason Avant version. And let me pause to tell you, hear me, this is for some young man in this room right now. It does not matter what your family tree looks like. If you're blood washed and born again, you have every right to start a new branch. You might bear the same last name as your father who was a failure or your mother who was not even all together. But that does not mean that you're an accident. That does not mean that you're a mistake. Hear me in the Holy Ghost. I'm in it right now. Every generational curse that's tried to leach itself to your life can be destroyed by you making a generational choice that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My wife and my son do not have to deal with the things that I dealt with. We've got our own struggles. We're aware of our own battles and shortcomings and failures. But I refuse to let the devil tell me that I have to be how I was raised and where I was raised. The devil is a liar. If any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. All things that you've gone through trial your faith you know what Jesus 
did what he told Simon. Simon, Satan had desired to have you, that he may sip his wheat. You know why he said, I have prayed for you, that your faith fail not? He was telling him, when the devil has a hit list, I, Jesus, have a prayer list. You need to encourage yourself. Jesus is praying for me. Jesus is on my side. And if God be for us. Come on, it's not cliche. Greater is he that's within us. The blood of Jesus still works. It reaches to the highest mountain. It flows. I don't quote these because it's lyrics. I quote it because it's lifestyle. For me, the blood still works. For you, it still flows. And whatever you have need of, you ought to do it one more time and throw your hands high and say, God, give me the blessing of your kingdom. That's all I got. This is your altar call. Do with it what you want and what you need. I do say let God arise and the enemies be scattered. Come on, dig in. Come on, get a hold of it right now. Let the word do the work right now. Let the king of God come in this tabernacle right now. God's going to finish what he started. <laughs>